are listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today is a book club wrap up day. Very exciting. Always fun to talk about these books that we get to read together. And I believe there were a lot of people that participated in this book club, at least the first question. (laughs) 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 A lot of comments. So, Rachel, which book did we read and what are we going to talk about? Sure. Well, first off, thank you to the, I believe it was 90 women who showed up for our Facebook book club discussion. We read this time around Joel D. Heck's book, From Atheism to Christianity, The Story of C.S. Lewis. Now, if you'll remember, we picked this one sort of out of the blue in a moment of complete lack of ideas or inspiration. That's not (laughs) impugning Dr. Heck's book, but we (laughs) all went shopping on the Concordia Publishing House biographies page and picked one out together. So this was a book that I don't think any of us had encountered before, but a lot of us here and in our book club know and love C.S. Lewis. So we thought, why not? Let's give it a try. This book looks specifically at the spiritual journey of C.S. Lewis, both into atheism and back into a belief in God. And it really tracks sort of the inner intellectual journey there. And I think as a result, some of us were, well, struggled a little bit with this one. It turned out to be more scholarly than maybe we had anticipated. (laughs) And yet at the same time, the opportunity to get deep in the weeds of what was going on inside C.S. Lewis as he was as a, as a young man rejecting God and then later on very slowly, very carefully paying attention the whole time, made his way back to a place where he said that the only, the only possible way is to say that there is a God and that I really ought to make sure that I'm on good terms with him, which is an amazing transformation. So the opportunity to read very carefully and see how exactly this story played out in the life of C.S. Lewis not only was interesting on its own, but was also a really fascinating opportunity to reflect on what it means to turn away from belief, come back to belief, and to in some ways be truly converted for the first time. And how what you read and the friendships you make and the humility with which you are able to examine your own life and the Holy Spirit working in you through conversations, through exposure to the word and sacred literature is just, it was a, it was a good thing to think about altogether. And I got a lot out of our conversation more so than I expected, which is you'd think by this time (laughs) I would know that I will get more than I expect out of our out of our book club discussions. But somehow every time I'm like, wow, that was really good. So <laughs> thank you. What did you all think of the book? It was definitely more scholarly than I expected. However, once I kind of understood that, I ended up underlining way more than I realized. Uh, I, I, I took pictures of all of it to post in the group and I ended up with <laughs> I was like 20, 25 pictures of of things that I'd underlined. So like the details got a little lost on me with like all the names and authors and references mm. to things that I'd prob I don't really fully understand all of the references to all the people and authors and books because that is just not my world really. But the storyline of what was happening was very interesting. So that part of it I really enjoyed 
this, just the story arc of like where he started and how he lost his faith and the the circumstances of what finally drew him back in and how that kind of still applies. Like, I mean, that's that's a story arc for a lot of people today and and how people just kind of go through life and how the Holy Spirit really works through stuff. And it's kind of amazing what can happen when you just have an open mind to things. So, yeah, I will be honest. I did at the beginning, I did a fair bit of skimming. Yeah. But then I kept thinking, I was like, well, maybe I'll just skip ahead. But then I would get drawn in again. And so I didn't end up like skipping any chapters. I ended up reading them all. Sometimes I did a little bit more speed reading than others. Yeah, same. <laughs> but Rachel, you and Bree are probably the closest to doing more of this type of reading, having Rachel with your background and Bree with your with your master's degree and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That has not been my style of reading for a very long time. <laughs> Maybe never. Uh, so I'm not, I yeah, I'm not good at it. I would need to develop the skill of being able to to follow more of that. That said, I did end up reading all of it. I thought I would skip chapters and just, I, at one point someone was saying, well, this one chapter is basically just a summary of everything else. And I was like, well, maybe I should just jump to that. But then there'd be, I'm like, but, but then I won't know all the details. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up reading it all. And I did, I did enjoy, like you said, there is a story arc that does Mm -hmm. flow through it all. And that's what kept me engaged with it, even as I did sometimes struggle with finding the pleasure of it, the experience. (laughs) Um. Yes. I felt myself wanting more after Mm -hmm. I put the book down because there's, it's, it's sort of in my mind and I, I sped read a lot of it too. It was, I feel like it was a very narrow, not necessarily time frame of C.S. Lewis's life, but it, it was, Heck writes within a very specific section mm. of C.S. Lewis's life, mm-hmm. his yeah. network, his, yep. and I'm sure we'll talk about that later because we look, I looked at the questions and wait, I was in the book club doing the questions. What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't just see the questions for the first time three minutes ago. Um, <laughs> it's okay if you like to come to these conversations fresh. <laughs> Fresh. All right. We all process differently. That's true. (laughs) But what I distinctly remember reading in the book near the beginning, and I I feel like it just wasn't brought up as much as it, I feel like it could have, is like the narrative really starts when he's a teenager, right? And he, he makes that famous quote of, saying that he doesn't he doesn't buy into the existence of God, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. from there, it sort of charts his journey within, like, philosophy and academia and mm-hmm. logic and, like, but there, there were also mentions of, like, trauma from the war mm-hmm. and yep. the, the church environment yep. that he grew up in as a child. And so I feel like, there's probably more to the story that's maybe just not in the format that Peck was using to support his writing. Mm. I would have been interested to see how other environmental factors brought mm. him to where he was mm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, when you say you want more, let's put a pin in that and come back to it later, shall we? Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Because I hear you. And I, I understand too. I spent a lot of my reading time 
scouring the footnotes and making note of any any name dropping of books along the way thinking, ooh, that sounds good. Ooh. Yeah, uh-huh. I didn't read any footnotes at all. I read the backstory uh-huh. footnotes, but that was it. Just because he kept, there were so many book titles, and I was yeah. like, I have no idea what this book is. And There's he, such a body of information out there yeah. on this person. Yeah. I just, before we get into all of your discussion questions, one of the things that I was struck by is how much information there is actually out there. And I thought about the fact that. I was like, do we even have that today? But to an extent, we have some of it because emails never go away. Yeah. So there is. Facebook is forever. Somewhat of a record. (laughs) Facebook is out there. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff that is actually preserved. But I was struck by how much of a documented written record Mm -hmm. there is on Lewis to to the extent that he was able to like point out. Lewis misremembered this, the dates. He was off by a year. And it's understandable. On his own own conversion. I know, I know. But he was like, but, you know, the dates are clear using the, you know, the the written record that we have. It's clear the dates are this one and not what he said in this other book. And I was just, it is remarkable how much is actually out there in writing around his life between his letters and then people's letters to him that are also preserved. And anyway, that was fascinating. Rachel, I'm wondering if you can speak to that just briefly. Like, is there, is there a heightened fascination with Mm. this man? Uh, Absolutely. And I, I speak as one who has been bitten by the bug. (laughs) Which is why I'm asking. (laughs) Yeah, no, you guys know, but I'm sure our listeners don't know that 20 years ago, I wrote my master's thesis on Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And so it's this is something that goes back a long time for me in particular. And so that's why, you know, then I recognized while reading the book and understood the potential for what Sarah was talking about in terms of, boy, there's a lot of names in here, you Mm -hmm. know, but for people who and there's quite a few of us out there who are longtime Lewis fans, the insider baseball is just like, sure, fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep, same. I am not in that inside baseball team. <laughs> yeah, and as for what the the fascination is, I think it is just Lewis is such a wonderful combination of really, really smart, really, really faithful, and really, really winsome. Mm-hmm. And so when you put that together, that combination of deep faith, deep intellect, and what I can only be described as incredible charm and good humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a rare combination yes. to find someone who is faithful, smart, and funny. And so, you know, if you, if you get to where you're like, oh, I love it. He said, I couldn't say mm-hmm. it like that. I'm going to quote him on this for, I quote Lewis so often, you guys. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm Googling a photo of him because, oh my gosh, he's, it looks exactly the way that I feel like he looks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, he's a cute little man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So what it's, cute man. you know, it <laughs> to see the like, way yes. that God was able to form and shape this man and claim this man, you know, mm-hmm. and make him one of the greatest teachers and defenders of the faith of the 20th century. And Lewis is responding so often to things that are, issues for us still today mm, that yeah. he was the he lived through both world wars 
and especially academic modernism. Um, So many of the trends we see in academia today really started during Mm -hmm. the time when Lewis was a an Oxford professor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a timelessness and and a timeliness that remains to his writings. He's just a good storyteller, um, which I love. So it was fun. It was really fun to sort of dig back into the world of Lewis studies with this book. I had a blast. So let's dig in, shall we? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. We only had five questions this time, but they were big questions. So as usual, you guys each get to pick one for us to spend a few minutes going through today. Who wants to go first? I haven't picked yet, so I'll go not first. (laughs) I think I claimed four. Do four if you want. This was the part I really understood in the book about the story arc and about how these different influences kind of drew him back into the Christian church. What I, I think what I didn't expect was that a lot of his early, like the books that he was reading and the people he was talking to, it was all centered on like myth and fantasy and opening up this this world of things that are possible or could be possible or things that, you know, we can't necessarily see in the real world, but who knows, maybe it's happening somewhere else. And I thought it was so interesting because the only books that, that's not true. I've read Mere Christianity, but like Chronicles of Narnia is like my biggest exposure to Lewis, which is technically fantasy, right? If I'm getting my genres correct. I think so, yeah. So the thought that he wasn't even really like understanding fantasy or like he had to be brought into that world or there was this whole like turmoil inside about what fantasy world actually was when Chronicles of Narnia is like one of the biggest things by him. It was just very interesting. But that that was kind of the groundwork of what pricked his intelligence side and and the intellectual side to be like, oh, wait, even though I can't understand what's happening in the Bible and I can't explain it, maybe it is actually real. Because there's all these fantasy things that people are writing about. Like he had to build the fantasy myth capacity in his head before he could really Mm. understand what was happening in the Bible. And then his intellect was like, oh, what I'm thinking and reasoning about doesn't actually make sense. And now I have this capacity to realize that my intellect has actually been wrong about the reasoning, you know, laying the, I, I don't know, it came up several times of like, in my atheism, I still believe that things are, are right and wrong and the justice exists. But what am I even comparing that to? Like there has to be a there has to be a ruler for this. And I don't actually I don't actually have that in my atheism. That's actually coming out of Christianity. So like that mind blowing moment. It was that groundwork in fantasy that kind of led to his intellect being yeah. able to grasp. And I love I loved the part. And I just lost the page. But where his atheist friend was like, you know, this, this Jesus could have it's risen. It's a rum thing. It's a rum thing. <laughs> it, it, it could have actually happened It once. almost looks like it happened once. Yeah. 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 yeah and right. that, like, that stuck with him. <laughs> yeah. Like this atheist guy that uh-huh. I super respect. Like he thinks Seems that the resurrection like and Jesus could have happened. Fact. Yeah. 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 I just, that, yeah. So that the question, really cool. the question we're discussing here, oh, uh, part of discussion question number four, which played the dominant role in Lewis's journey away from atheism, his intellect or his imagination? And I think you're arguing that the imagination was perhaps dominant in some very key moments. Yes, or at least came first. 
Yeah. He was was a smart guy already. Like he didn't have to work on that part. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like with, with that, like it was like his intellect had to be, his intellect was fighting it. And so it had to be won over. Like his, his heart would like open and up, open up in a way. And his intellect would be like, Mm -hmm. and have to have to like really (laughs) wrestle with it before Mm -hmm. he'd be like, okay, well I have to accept the fact that true realism Mm. doesn't account for like what you were saying with the the whole moral understanding like how do we know what's true if it's only things are are real or not there's no truth in that and so he's like okay well then my intellect concedes i guess i guess i'll go with idealism Um, (laughs) okay okay well we'll we'll sit there for a while and then (laughs) then there'd be another one he'd he'd resist against that one with all of his intellect until finally he conceded that (laughs) no no this is there's this is i can't i can't argue it Yes. And yet so. his intellect was a key part as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so he had this yeah, he had this problem. Right. He had this problem with atheism because his atheism required that he believed that what you see is all there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trouble was his imagination kept saying, "But I want more." Right. Yeah. You know, it would read these fantasy novels and and mm-hmm. this can't, oh, I really wish this wasn't all there is. My intellect won't let me believe there's anything more than this. But boy, I long for that mm-hmm. transcendence. And then his intellect kicked in and said, where does that longing come from? Mm-hmm. If this is all there is, that longing shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it would start the whole thing going. So that was actually kind of a trick question. <laughs> when I asked it. It's both. It's a both and. and mm-hmm. this is, but this is so important for us in evangelism today. There has been sort of a longstanding tendency among people doing evangelism and apologetics Mm. to try to convince people to Mm. accept the gospel to argue them into it argue them into it and yet we see in lewis Mm -hmm. you gotta have that imagination too that Mm -hmm. longing that whether or not your intellect is capable at this moment of believing Mm -hmm. it's true the heart has to want it to be true right Mm -hmm. yeah and both of those things the desire and the reason have to work together. And the the Holy Spirit, of course, you know, uses the word of God, drives it in, and, and it works in both areas. Mm-hmm. So I really and, love and, that aspect of Lewis's story. Yeah. This is, so I was, I'm going to pick question two, if that's okay. Mm, go oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And really, this is just a piggyback on on what we've been saying in terms of question five. But question two is... It was a really well thought out entire question, but I'm just going to read the TLDR version of it. It's <laughs> what causes a person to abandon faith and become an atheist? Mm. Yeah. And so understanding that C.S. Lewis was an intellectual and was always thinking and was always thoughtful and sort of turned inward, I think it was necessary that he was doing some like, quote unquote, soul searching but at the same time, it was almost like this this compulsive trying to figure it out. But that was also the same thing that was like keeping him from thinking outside of what's logical, what's reasonable, what what is real and what isn't. Because, I mean, I think about and I think that this is probably true for a lot of people who identify as atheists is there's just so much in the Bible 
that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. no sense whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when you when you have this level of intellect and you don't let you don't let your heart lead, you don't think that something like faith factors into the things that we don't understand in the Bible, then you're never going to get, you're always going to be trapped in that atheism box. And so I think, I think also that that's why people feel compelled to debate people into believing because Mm -hmm. I mean, they want to use the same sort of mechanisms and approaches to Mm. get people to believe that, that these individuals already have going on in their head. They want to mm-hmm. reason with mm-hmm. them yeah. to it. And so it's, you all, you, Christians almost have to like resign to let the Holy Spirit do his work because you can, you can debate someone until you're blue in the face. But if they don't have, if they can't lead with their heart and like view life outside of like what's in your head, then you're not going anywhere. It doesn't, you're yeah conversation is going nowhere. And mm-hmm. you got to look beneath the surface too. Like if you had talked with C.S. Lewis when he was like, say 19, you know, mm-hmm. 19, tw- early 20s at the height of his atheism, he would have given you all sorts of like rational explanations for why he had considered mm-hmm. all the facts and decided that this was the only uh-huh. thing he could believe. Yep. What he wouldn't admit is that he became an atheist after his mom died his dad was emotionally distant and he got sent off to an abusive educational institution uh-huh. like Almost yeah. immediately after her funeral. Right. You mm-hmm. know, that he's had these severe traumas that leave him feeling mm-hmm. very pained in agony and anger at God. Mm-hmm. But when he was, after he had, you know, gotten into that world, he probably wouldn't have come out and said all that. And yet any no. cure for that unbelief had to take into account his broken heart. Yeah. yeah. And that's where that and imagination I feel like came author, in. like, never circled back to that. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm like, like you're right there (laughs) like right there because like i said before like yeah all of of that upbringing and the relationship i try i here i go psycho psychologicalizing everything (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that that has to have played Mm -hmm. such a big role in maybe maybe the book was more about getting him from point C to point D than point A to point B. And I'm sure there's, there are other books out there that exist that explain so many books from, from the day he was born to age 19, where he absolutely denies the existence of God and you can't tell him otherwise, but it's just, it's interesting to think about what led him Mm -hmm. to that point. People's stories are complicated, man. Yep. Yeah, they are. They really are. That you can't necessarily take people at face value, you know, dig deeper, Mm -hmm. get to know, get to know them. Mm -hmm. And you'll see a whole lot under the surface. I think this is so relevant to our culture today because of the the Mm non-N-O-N-E, non-category that's like massive, Mm -hmm. at least in the U.S. I don't know if that's a global thing, but like so Mm -hmm. many young people aren't churched. And their parents may or may not be churched, but like this is this is where people are in our culture mm-hmm. now, sitting in this in this unbelief, and and I think a lot of it maybe has to do with the collective trauma that a lot of people have just mm-hmm. gone through in the last right. however many years, and and there life. is <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, and and there's that 
that I think what Lewis also went through was that how can how can a good God yes. let all this terrible mm-hmm. stuff yep. happen to me personally? Like that yep. just doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. And people can't get past that point. And something like going to church every week or eating a wafer and a sip of wine is somehow going to make things yeah. better. Like they can't. It doesn't make sense. It makes no <laughs> sense. So like, why would they even... They can't envision that being helpful. Yeah. So like, why would they do that to themselves? Mm-hmm. And I think there is, there's also like a fear in, of like vulnerability sort yeah. of a situation. So yes, so much. Yeah. So much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes when people say to you, I can't be a Christian because how could a good God allow this to happen? Or I can't be a Christian because, well, Christians are jerks, that there may be more going on beneath the surface. There may yeah. be yeah. some trauma there. A whole lot of uh, there's just what what they mm-hmm. say might not be mm-hmm. all the whole story. Mm-hmm. So that's what I see from Lewis. You know, I see all these traumas that he was unable to process, yeah. but that really contributed directly to his inability to come to faith earlier than he did. He took the mm-hmm. long way around, and yet that's a reminder mm-hmm. to me too. The story's never over till it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Lewis. It took him what fourteen years. From the time he sort of started shifting a little bit out of that strict atheist mold to when yeah. he could say, yes, I'm a Christian. I mean, that, that, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, that was one of the things that I actually found. I remember being really struck by just with the fact that he was so, so resistant to it. And it was like he was many times it was like he was hardening his heart against it. And yet Mm -hmm. God was still so merciful and Mm -hmm. continued to pursue him Mm -hmm. throughout that time was, again, just an astonishing picture of God's grace and mercy Mm -hmm. for someone that just was so resistant and so Mm -hmm. opposed to it that Mm -hmm. God still kept again and again for years and years kept pursuing yeah yeah there's a there's a latin phrase i learned last night from my dear husband uh we were talking in devotion somehow it came up and he mentioned the phrase dum spiro spero which means while i breathe i hope Ah. as long as there's breath there's hope Mm -hmm. you know even if it takes 14 years or 40 years you know the holy spirit is going to keep pursuing for tirelessly (laughs) Yeah, as it certainly, you know, as was certainly the case in in Lewis's life. And actually, this book gave me uh, just a little side story here. This book gave me a sense of peace about something that has bugged a whole lot of Narnia fans for a long time. And that is the story of Susan Pevensey, Mm -hmm. one of the four four Pevensey kings and queens of Narnia. And at the end of the last book, if you haven't read it yet, go read it. But it's worth reading, even if you know the end. Basically, Susan's Two brothers, her sister, and her parents all go to heaven on the same day. And Susan doesn't go. Susan's in a different place. But Susan has has stopped believing in Aslan, has stopped believing in Narnia, has left her faith. And so it's actually a merciful thing that she isn't in the train wreck that takes the rest of them. Susan but has not died. She has not uh, died. At the, end of the, at the end of the book. That have been totally clear at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Susan is the only one that doesn't die, but she's lost everyone she loved. Yes. And so so you'll see memes floating around the internet of like, this is really dark, man. Why would Lewis do this? Uh-huh. But reading this book, I came to realize, no, Susan is where he was. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. Lost his ma, mm-hmm. you know, broken relationship with his dad. He's all alone in the world. He's completely walked away from his faith. If we put the curtain down on Lewis at age 19 or 20 or however old Susan is when that, you know, when the last page of the last right. battle closes, we would say, that's dark, man. Why would you, yeah. why would you even tell this story? And yet, 14 years later, yeah. Lewis is back in church. And it yep. actually is claiming his faith for his own. And that, so why would you say, is Susan still alive? Dum spiro spero. Mm-hmm. While there's breath, there's hope. So, mm-hmm. no anyway. need fan fiction. So, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's make it happen, people. Okay. Susan's story. <laughs> probably Susan already been done. Damascus. <laughs> Somebody's got to have already written that. Thing. I have to. That's the beauty of fan fiction. It. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can, can write, write our own. Too. Yeah. <gasps> Breeze Radio Theater for next year. This year? Sometime. I have another one coming yeah. up here. Ooh. That's potential. Can't wait. <laughs> the church ladies put on Susan's story. The epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> A lifetime original movie. <laughs> so the other thing that, and I know you didn't read the whole question, Brie, but the other thing that with question two on what causes someone to become an atheist is to realize that the journey can be gradual in and gradual out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That Lewis went from being sort of a nominal Christian to being someone who was angry with God and interested in the occult to being a full-blown atheist to being, let's see, a realist, an idealist, and a theist in that order. But I think we would, if I were translating that, I would say sort of an agnostic, someone who was a spiritual but not religious nun, N-O-N-E, a moral therapeutic deist, and then mm-hmm. finally came around to Orthodox Christian belief. And that all of those processes took time. And so when we are praying for and speaking with friends and family who may be at any point on that on that journey to realize that they may be in motion, even if it seems really slow, and not to be impatient. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I do like that C.S. Lewis and his brother roasted their dad yeah. in the letters they mm. wrote to each other. If C.S. Lewis roasted his bird. dad, yeah, then everyone else should be able to do that. Yeah, but Lewis felt really bad <laughs> about that later really on. He felt really, really bad, bad about it. it. <laughs> okay. I'll probably feel bad about roasting my own dad when I'm... You know, but it's different if you older. roast him to his face, I think. Yeah, That's or true. if you don't have a broken relationship to start. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's different if you didn't have that reconciliation before. Right. Yeah. Potato uh, bird. Yeah. Potato bird. Potato bird. Call your moms and dads, people. <laughs> yes. Actually, I need to call my mom, <laughs> who was actually a wonderful contributing member of our book club discussion this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Yeah. You're that. awesome. Makes book club even more fun. It's true that. It's a family affair. All right, Aaron, you got one for us? I mean, we already covered first, second, and fourth, and the fifth is sort of the doesn't really work for this. So I guess I'm doing number three. Or you can just um, pick something. <laughs> pick a quote. We'll talk about it. Make up your own. Like. Number three. Uh, number three. I'm going to especially focus on the, so you said, what books in particular did you notice playing an outsized role for good or evil in Lewis's story? And... Honestly, I can't tell you which books. Like he had a lot of books that did come so back again and again. It did make me very <laughs> exactly. I was curious about some of them that did feature again and again. Mm-hmm. McDonald, 
Herbert, Mm -hmm. which when I went and looked, I was like, oh, yeah, I've come across George Herbert before. Yeah. Um, He's got some interesting. Mm -hmm. That's the right name, right? Yeah. George Herbert. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got beautiful songs, too. Like some of that set to music. Okay. So, So that I did notice. But going on to the second part of your question, then looking at your own life, how have the books that you've read and media you've consumed? Because let's face it, most of us watch and listen more than we read these days. Mm. How has that either strengthened or challenged your own faith? Does the phrase you are what you eat perhaps apply to books and media too? As I was sort of thinking about this one, there are definitely absolutely books that I can say have been ones that build me up in my, sometimes in my faith, sometimes I don't know if it's the right word, but just that are good for my spirit maybe Mm. is the right word. They don't drag me down into the morass of me, Mm -hmm. but instead take me out of myself into something wholesome. Mm. There are also times when, you know, like I've gone through phases where I will enjoy reading. I I call it fluff, but I've come to recognize that too much of that doesn't that's not satisfying and so I'll end up being like I'm like I need something with with more substance I did actually like so periodically I will reread books and that's something that I do enjoy doing some of the ones I do love rereading are you know like the Chronicles of Narnia I just read those this last November and December I was rereading the Chronicles of Narnia the you know the the Lord of the Rings uh, Mm -hmm. by Tolkien but also one that I know has been mentioned in the past uh, in book club discussions was one that, Rachel, you had said that you you really loved. And I ended up reading it. And I did. I did love it. It's by Elizabeth Gooch. Gouch? Oh, Gooch. Gooch. Okay. Yeah. The Bird in the Tree is the first one of that one. And it is just a, it's just a delight. It's wholesome <laughs> and it's good for the soul. <laughs> And there is a spiritual component to it, a a faith component to it, but it's not, it's still fiction. Yeah, it's fiction. So it's, it's mostly, in my opinion, just delightful, good reading. If I can, I just want to tell you right now, I just actually finished another Elizabeth Gouge book, Reading Out Loud with My Girls. It's Mm -hmm. so good. The Little White Horse. Sounds silly. Look it up. It will be a delight and a refreshment to your soul. Uh Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some books. Yeah. Other ones that I have really enjoyed. Oh, this is one that I found encouraging and challenging. It does not have a Christian faith component to it at all, but the book A Man Called Uva. (gasps) Yes. um, They made it into a movie. They renamed him because Uva is hard for us to say in America. Mm -hmm. At least I assume that's what they did. But it is a satisfying, wholesome book. Yeah. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so all that is to say, <laughs> yes, I can. I will even see it in myself in how I'm interacting. It'll, mm. it'll show up in my thought play and, and things like that. It, the, the books that I'm reading, there'll be times where I'm reading a book and I'll realize that I am depressed. And it's because I'm reading this like there's usually other yes. things going on as well, but the mm. book as well is contributing to yes. it. And yeah. I'm like, this is that. maybe it's a good book, but it's not the book for me right now because yeah. it is 
drawing me down into <laughs> into the morass. Uh, <laughs> and so books and media can absolutely do that and do yes. impact impact you. And while they do take more effort, they aren't the fluff. And so I don't read only the wholesome whole wheat books. Um, <laughs> I like some fluff every now and then. Uh, I do Cotton love Cotton candy for um, every meal. I know. Exactly. <laughs> but they are good and they're worth it. And every time I read one, I'm like, oh, it was so good. It was worth it, was worth it even though I couldn't blaze through it without really engaging like I can with fluff. Mm-hmm. And so it's good for your mind. It's good for your heart. I, I, I think it there is really something to be said for paying attention to what you are consuming mm-hmm. beyond beyond your you know your food. We we all know that books and media affect our emotional state. You know they can either leave us really happy and excited or depressed or down, but of course they have that same effect on our spiritual state mm-hmm. because they're touching our hearts, they're touching our minds. They're getting in there and and fiddling about on the insides of us. And I think it is it is important that we realize that in some sense, reading the wrong books made C.S. Lewis an atheist, and reading the right books sort of brought him back out. And you know what those right books were. I, you know, it's it's hard to say whether a right book is a right book for everybody. You know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but paying attention to how your media choices affect your spiritual walk is something mm-hmm. that I definitely have taken out of this particular reading of C.S. Lewis's life. Because a lot of the other biographies I've read about him, sort of, they mention the books and how they were important, but they really focus on the relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's appropriate because relationships are really powerful. But this book really stressed the books. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just brought home for me in a new way, books are powerful. And of course, all the all the storytelling that is done outside of books also st- also powerful. Storytelling is powerful, mm-hmm. and so if you feel yourself in a time of spiritual dryness, one pray, two open your Bible, but three find a book that is going to encourage and bring your soul toward the light rather than into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that I feel like C.S. Lewis did with all these books, he also he discussed them like he yeah. would, like, read this challenging yeah. book and then he'd like be writing a letter to his friend about I I read this and here's my thoughts on it and they would on this exact uh, date. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. but not really so so he did read it but then he also really engaged with mm-hmm. the content of it which is something I do not always mm-hmm. do but when I do I get so much more out of it when there is that chance to actually really dig into and engage, which is one of the reasons I do appreciate book club. True. Because it gives me that opportunity to push me to think more deeply about a topic and to hear from others on the topic. And also, honestly, often it pushes me to read outside of my usual Mm -hmm. boundaries. Yeah. So that seems like a great segue. I I didn't even plan it, but it is. That is perfect. Reading (laughs) and companionship with you ladies is just delightful. So let's do some more of it. Yes. So a question for you guys. And I asked, I pulled the the group as well on this and got mostly answers on one side. But I want to ask you too, this book, does it make you feel like, okay, I'm done with C.S. Lewis for a while? Or does it make you feel like, oh, I think I need to read more along these lines? more. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
more, but maybe not as scholarly. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's have some okay. All right. Well, I think we've got our next couple of book club picks that we can sort out. I'm going to just go ahead and announce the one not for this coming book club. So don't get confused. Mm, We're going to give you a little bit of advance notice because Mm. there is one book that Sarah has been saying for like the last two years. Oh, I want to read that. Uh Oh, I really need to read that. I really want to read that. Over Pastor Peter Ill and and Carrie Ill for (laughs) continually telling me that I need to read this book. Okay. not yet. And so. I agree with you. And I agree so much that I'm actually having my high schoolers read it this Ooh. month as part of a literary unit on modernism and totalitarianism in the 20th, 20th century. So this is a grand, fantastic book. But the reason I'm going to announce it now is because it is the third book in a series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our summer Lutheran Ladies Book Club beach read this year is going to be C.S. Lewis's That Hideous Strength. It is book three in the Space Trilogy, which also includes Out of the Silent Planet and Paralandra. These books are beautiful. They are fiction. You're welcome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can get them in any format you like. All three of them would make excellent book club picks, but I really think, for my money, That Hideous Strength is going to give us the most interesting things to talk about together. Mm-hmm. You can technically read the book all on its own without reading the other two first. You'll be lost at like three places, but most of it is just fine all on its own. So if you want to just jump in for that hideous strength, that's okay. But since we won't be doing it in book club until about July, you should have time to read all three books. And I'm definitely going to reread the entire series mm-hmm. in preparation for this. If you don't want to read but still want to know what's going on we'll try to include like a cliff notes version of the first two books whenever we do our next book club wrap up so that you can yeah get all the spoilers in and that hideous strength will make perfect sense to you mostly (laughs) so that is our summer read but for our spring read we have a choice Mm -hmm. to make because what I would really like to do is go back through some of those books that influenced C.S. Lewis in such a positive way. Look at the books that turned his imagination towards joy and helped his heart be ready for receiving the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so I was paying attention, as I said, when I was reading this book, I was basically like a kid in a candy store. Ooh, I want to read that one and that one and that one. (laughs) So here are five that oh, I pulled man. out of this book. <laughs> no, no, five. Is it five? Four. It's eight. Oh, it's 20. <laughs> 77. All right. Just keeps throwing. And I, I have one that I'd rather like to recommend because I've already read it and I know I love it, but I won't tell you which one it is. Mm. And you guys can, can decide. So games. the first one that... I put forward for your consideration is one by Catholic author G.K. Chesterton, The Mm. Everlasting Man. Considered by many to be Chesterton's greatest masterpiece, this book declares his comprehensive view of world history as informed by the incarnation. Retelling mankind's story from the very beginning, he shows how all human desires are fulfilled in the person of Christ and Christ's church. 
With his characteristic brilliance and irony, he argues that Christianity is not just a religion to stand beside other religions, for the fact of the Incarnation sets it apart. One of the most original and controversial theological books ever written, apparently, according to the Amazon description. So this one is our nonfiction choice. And I've not read it, but it's been on my bucket list for a long time to read more Chesterton. So I put it forward for your for your consideration. The second book is actually you have to tell you right out which ones I've read and I haven't read. I feel like that's relevant to yeah. the conversation. You don't have to guess. Yes. Okay. I have not read this one. William Morris, The Well at the World's End. This one's got a lot of play in yes. From Atheism to Christianity. So it's a straight up fairy tale. Lewis loved fairy tales. He did not believe that fairy tales right. were meant to be just for children. And I love that about mm. Lewis. I do too. So they, much. They are um, not just the author of this one. This one is William Morris. I think he's an author who's very much gone by the wayside in modern times. If we go with that one, make okay. sure you get the William Morris one. William Morris one. Mm. The Well at the World's End. This book follows the travels of Ralph. Prince Ralph, the prince of a tiny country, as he disobeys his father's wishes, runs away from home to adventure in the world, and seeks out the fabled well at the world's end, yes. said to grant eternal youth to those who drink from it. Hmm. Okay. So, it's got 3.7 stars on Goodreads. <laughs> okay. Is that, is, I that is that good? I haven't uh, been sure. on Goodreads in so long. Oh. <laughs> okay. Option three is poetry, because you said George mm -hmm. Herbert. Speaking yes. of people that I want wow. to read more of, huh? here we have not the complete works of George Herbert, which is a slightly more uh, well-known <laughs> book than this one, but a book that was mentioned by name in this was The Temple, a yes. collection of 116 poems. I feel like we could get through 116 poems uh -huh. by George Herbert, who was an Anglican clergyman and a really delightful poet. So that's option three. Then we have option four. Which again is the one I'm gunning for a little bit here because I have I love this book. George MacDonald, The Princess and the Goblin. Ooh. Oh, princess Irene lives in a castle in a wild and lonely mountainous region. I'm, one day I'm she discovers a steep and winding stairway leading This is a terrible summary of this book. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Princess lives in the mountains. There are goblins in the mountains. There is a worthy young minor, minor boy named Curdy in the mountains. And there is her grandmother, who is delightful. And I really can't say more without spoiling the story, but it's just gorgeous. I actually like She's the sequel better, the but since I'm already long. making you read yeah. one sequel this year, I'm recommending The Princess and the Goblin. And then if you like it as much as I do, go on and read The Princess and Curdy, which is just wonderful. So those are our four choices. The Everlasting Man, The Well at the World's End, The Temple, or The Princess and the Goblin. The Well at the World's End by A.J. McKinnon is $100 paperback on Amazon. <laughs> Don't get that one. Don't get that one. version. I am all in for The Princess and Goblin story. That sounds amazing. Man, I the want The Well end. at the World's End. Uh, you can go for it. Okay. A prince or a princess. And honestly, I had been... Mm. The temple also to me sounds. So I know. I I will probably buy all of these books. Honestly, wow. I'm that interested. I love stories of heroines. Yeah, it's just kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm gonna. My vote is for Well at the World's End. It just sounds like a fun read. Is the princess and the goblin like a, a movie? Cautionary tale. Yeah. Has it, it been is. made into? 
Yeah, yes. it's an animated movie. Mm-hmm. What? It's on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. How many tomatoes? It's 77%. There's no tomato meter. Oh, tomatomer. Interesting. Tomatomer. But a 77% audience score. It's rated G. Oh my gosh. This is like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what, like Dom de Louise style. This is my childhood. Wait, I kind of want to read the book and then watch the movie. <laughs> you can get the DVD new on Amazon for seventy nine ninety nine. That's how pure it is. I had no so idea there was a movie. Oh my goodness! Who wrote? Who did? Who? You can stream it somewhere based on the classic. That's not Dom DeLuise. That's. I don't know any of these. That's names. some hack that Princess nobody knows. Princess and the Goblin is certainly much more well known. I like that. Like with the headband. He's there's cute. 73 <laughs> ratings for Well at the World's End versus almost a thousand for The Princess and the Goblin. I'm I'm good so for it either. Is more, it's less obscure, <laughs> and there is a movie. Mm-hmm. Although I noticed that they introduced a new character in the form of the princess's beloved cat. Sorry, um, there's no beloved okay. cat in the book. Okay. But this was the age where everyone had to have an animal buddy in, in an animated film. Mm-hmm. It's true. Oh, interesting. Memoria Press has Princess and the Goblin. So we've got we've got classical education people on this bandwagon. Well, I'm I'm gonna make it hard for you, Rachel, because my <laughs> I'm throwing in my vote for the temple. Oh. So now you have a three way tie, and Dang. you are going to have to be the one. <sighs> To make the decision on this one, look at the, uh, they look, all sound great. Quite honestly, they really do. I'm. I'm look not at this goblin is so ugly. Why would you want to um, read a book that has one of these in it? <laughs> we didn't help you at all. You still are going to have to pick for. Us. I told yeah. you from the beginning what I was going to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love them all. I think they all sound interesting. The only, the main reason I'm voting for this is because I know this book. I love this book. Mm. I know that you mm-hmm. guys will enjoy it. The other books, even though they look so promising, are uh, unknown entities to me. And after this last experience where we all picked an unknown entity and Mm -hmm. found it extremely delightful and scholarly, I think uh, something that is comfort food sounds pretty good to me. Sure. Excellent. Um, I trust your judgment. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Our spring book club pick is George MacDonald, The Princess and the Goblin. So, ladies, if you've been looking for an opportunity to loop in your young Lutheran lady readers, this is a great one because I actually read this one out loud to my daughters this year and they loved it. So, this is is a very all-ages accessible book club pick. But just like our buddy C.S. Lewis before us, you are never too old to read fairy tales Mm. unless Mm -hmm. you think you are. Then that's true. Then you are. That's a sad reality that you live in. But you might not be forever. That's true. You could could at some point be young enough again. Mm -hmm. You always come back. And if you tear through this and love it as much as I think you're going to totally get The Princess and Curdie, which is so good. Okay. Okay. It is available as an audiobook too. Oh, yes. Oh, free. The Princess and the Goblin. If you yeah. have an Audible account, you can get you can listen for nice. free. So it's on Hoopla, also at least from my library. So mm-hmm. can listen there, or you can Fabulous. buy it from somewhere, some entity online mm-hmm. as your you local choose. independent bookstore. Yeah, <laughs> bookseller. <laughs> I'm very excited for this book. I, this is going to be really fun, and it's a, it'll yeah, be a lot easier. That too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for that. 
So ladies, you can join this book club in our Facebook group. It'll be sometime this spring. So stay tuned in the group. We'll announce when the date is. This is a, a nice, fun read. So you shouldn't need multiple weeks to finish it or to listen to the audiobook. It'll be very fun. So join us in our Facebook group, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Rachel will post the event and then all the discussion happens in that event. It's a asynchronous format. So you don't have to like join any video calls or do anything on a timetable because we don't have time for that. So... Very easy to to follow along in our Facebook group. You can also join us on Instagram. We typically post some of these book club questions uh, after the episode drops on our Facebook page. So you can join in the conversation. Did I say Facebook? Instagram page? We post questions on our Instagram page so you can follow along with the discussion after the this episode will drop. So that's also possible if you're on Instagram. You can sign up for our e-newsletter in the show notes for this episode, or you can send an email to lutheranladies at kfuo.org and we'll get you signed up for that e-newsletter. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on the KFUO radio app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm extremely happy about our next book club pick. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give.